welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, but to most people who know me, I'm Endo. And I'm Batman. Whoa, got a guest speaker in the house. <laughs> and today we'll be breaking down Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. Yes, we are. Endo, how are you going? I'm very good, mate. I feel fresh. Really? You don't look fresh. How dare you? How dare you? I've got a haircut. Did you? What? <laughs> I would get a refund. You know, you're a genuine piece of shit sometimes. <laughs> oh, okay. No, nah, well done. I like you it. You haven't done anything with it. Gosh, I'm just sit- sitting around with oh, you. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, all right. What about you, mate? How you been? How's your week? Tell me how your week's been. Pretty good, actually. Nothing too exciting, but I've had a pretty relaxing week. Heading into Easter. In a retail, that's uh, a bad a bad thing. <laughs> uh, it's got nothing on Christmas. I don't mind it, to be honest. Nah, fair point there. Christmas is a it's a bad time for retail people. And like sales go bang, but mainly it's just on eggs and seafood. But when you got Good Friday and everything is closed, people think it's the fucking apocalypse and they just they buy like tins of cream corn and shit because they think they, <laughs> they, got, they can't go to the store. Just, just in case we get just hungry. In, just in We've case. got the creamed corn on hand. Exactly. They think they're close for a day. They need to get everything they can. It's it, it's it's funny to watch. Mm. Yes. All right, Hendo, what else are we doing today? Well, after our breakdown of Batman Begins, we're going to be taking a look at some reviews that you listeners have given about the movie. We'll also be taking a look at the answers to our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite Christopher Nolan film? Which is our top five, as usual. This is a pretty, pretty good top five. This is a solid, all five-star movies top five. Absolutely. I can't can't disagree with you, mate. (laughs) We'll also take a look at the results of our Pod v Pod 17 draft with Kevin Brackett from The Real Spoilers. And then we'll take a look at the Final Four in our best 1960s film tournament. We've got a couple of good matches there. One in particular that's going to shine. Shine. Yes, shine indeed. Not like the movie. The movie Shine. Ah, I got it. Yep. I don't think you did. <laughs> I didn't right at the start. I thought you were referring to one of the movies. I've never with... seen Shine. Have you seen Shine? No, I've not seen Shine. I should watch it. And then after that, we're going to be finding out what we're going to be watching next time, which is my pick this week. Yes, it is. I cannot wait to see what you know, you're going to follow up after Stand By Me. Such an epic movie. See, I feel like you wasted your pick with Stand By Me. Why? I believe when we came up with this idea to pick our own movies, you said, now we're not, we can't go and smash out every one of our epic movies in the one go, okay? You've got to spread them out. I'm looking at the list, I'm like, man, I want to watch Batman Begins. (laughs) I can see you next time. Uh, We're going to do Dark Knight because I just, we need to keep going. Yes. But before we get into everything I've just mentioned, why don't we take a look at my movie watching challenge with Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast? I just listened to their latest episode today, and Paul has said that he has a number of films that he has not logged yet. I know. I've been in discussion with Paul. Do you, do you have a rough idea how many movies he hasn't logged? Are uh, we talking I, like 20? No, I don't think so. I'm Are you sh- still in front? As far as I know. Let's have a look at him. He's a nice. He's a I'm winning. I'm winning. And at the time of this recording, based off the letterbox numbers, Paul is at 152 and I'm at 167. Very good. Give me the update. All right, Hendo, what's the update on the IMDb Top 250 list? Very, very little this time around. All I've seen is that Lion King has moved over rear window to number 44. Which one? Do you reckon the new Lion King will crack the 250? Absolutely not. No way. How all right? Here's a question: How high is Endgame gonna debut on the IMDb Top 250? Nine. Nine. What? 
You heard it here. Imagine if it was garbage. <laughs> Imagine if it started getting the reviews of like the new Hellboy is getting. And then I'll say, did I mean nine? I meant nine on the bottom 100. <laughs> wow, you reckon nine? Like for real, nine? I think it's going to hit nine. Jesus. Looking at other recent movies, Spider-Verse has dropped a tiny bit, 47 to 49. So it's still in that top 50. We've been looking at the 2018 film Ad Hadham. It's dropped from 146 to 151. So I think it's going to still gradually decline for a little while. And that is pretty much it in terms of the changes I saw in the list. Nothing wrong with that at all. But of course, there's always a couple of films that go in, a couple of films that go out at the bottom. So right now, out of the list is Song of the Sea, Akira, and Dog Day Afternoon. Dropped out once again. And in its place is Chunking Express, Winter Sleep, and Gangs of Wasapa. Awesome. Awesome. You happy it's back in? <laughs> no. Honestly, Maybe by the time... I might pick it. By the time we get to our 250th movie that we do, there will be that many new movies that have come out that would have bumped it out. So I'm not worried. Gangs of Wasapa has been coming in and out of that list for the last year and a half since we started this journey. And who knows, I might pick it earlier than you think. I really don't think you want to sit through it again. Why not? Because it's five hours. It's a good film. Why don't you just watch Shogun? <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Why don't I watch Showa? Heard about this one? The nine hour I started watching it, yeah. No, you did not. I for real did. Before I heard about it on other podcasts, I started watching it. Well, how long ago? Uh, like pre-podcast? Like three weeks. Interesting. Why, why'd you stop it? Because it's so boring. <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's free on YouTube. Yeah. And it's it's so boring. Come on, you got to give it time. <laughs> give it a couple of hours. One thing I did not give it you was time. To- <laughs> I I gave it a little like five minutes. Let's see. Nah, done. Some some movies take like at least the first third before first it starts three to grow. hours before <laughs> so it starts to get good. Maybe watch a couple of hours and then see how you feel. <laughs> All right. Before we get into Batman Begins, just a quick heads up: we will be spoiling it from the jump. So if you haven't seen it. Firstly, what's wrong with you? Secondly, beware. And with that being said, we're going to take a quick break here, give you a couple of promos from some other awesome podcasts out there, and we'll be back on the other side with Batman Begins. I'm Nick. And I'm Justin, and we can't believe it's already time for the 2019 live stream for The Cure. Thanks to our amazing peers, listeners, and supporters, last year we crushed our goal of $5,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. The Cancer Research Institute is funding research into immunotherapy to create a future immune to all forms of cancer. Every single cent we raise goes to them. And they're also rated over 92% on CharityNavigator.org. This year, we're aiming our sights even higher with our most ambitious event to date. Join us May 17th through the 19th on twitch.tv slash epicfilmguys for 40 hours of live content from us and other amazing shows who will join us to try to reach $7,500. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure for more information or to find out how you can be a part of the event. Together, we can make a difference. Your guide to cinema etiquette for the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast. Tip 43. When attending the cinema with your good friends or significant other, don't assume anyone else has any interest in what you have to say. So, always remember... Whisper, fuckface. It's not rocket science. For more useful cinema etiquette, join Paul and Wayne on the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast at Podomatic on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. How do you know my name? The world is too small for someone like Bruce Wayne to disappear. Your parents' death was not your fault. 
My parents deserve justice. I cannot let that pass. If you make yourself more than just a man, then you become something else entirely. Which is? A legend, Mr. Wayne. So, Batman Begins, released in 2005, starring Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Cillian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Rodger Hauer, Ken Watanabe, and Morgan Freeman. Do you want to add anyone else to that list? Can we add Killian Murphy? Nah, nah. I like Cillian Murphy. It's Killian. Good on him. I did a lot of research. No shit. It is Killian. Dean, I'm just going to say it now. (laughs) This is your pick. You got, Get off it. You got, uh, you got Batman tattooed on you. I feel like you got a lot to say in this in this breakdown. Not at all. Lots of research. I'm more curious to see what you think, Endo. Well, that's what we're doing right now, isn't it, mate? So this is directed by Christopher Nolan, his second film we've done. Yes, it is. Now, do you know who was originally Dan to direct it? I'm sure you're going to tell me. It was the Wachowskis. Ah, okay. They were going to do a direct adaptation of Frank Miller's Year One, but declined to do the Matrix sequels. Hmm. And thank God. Well, they did the Matrix sequels instead. Thank God they didn't do the Batman <laughs> movies. And you think, really? Maybe they should have done the Batman movies. Uh, I don't know. It would have been interesting. They're not exactly in good form, Hendo. Well, if they'd done this, they wouldn't have done the Matrix uh, sequels, so you wouldn't have known. They would have come out after... They would have come out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hendo, behave. <laughs> No, what I mean is they would have done The Matrix and they would have been on a high. Like, oh, my God, they did The Matrix. Now they're going to go do a Batman Year One movie? What? It would have been amazing. It could have been. Just like The Matrix sequels could have been amazing. Yes. So Batman Begins was nominated for one Oscar. Oh, you're doing the trivia now, For cinematography. Oh, I know. You know? (laughs) Thought I'd mix it up a bit here. You picked the movie. You're all over it. You've already got the trivia down, Pat, ready to go. Are you going to tell me what the budget was? I'm not done with the Oscars. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, so it was nominated for one Oscar, cinematography, as I said. Lost to Memoirs of a Geisha. Now, there's the director of photography, Wally Fister. Did he? <laughs> he was actually nominated again for Best Cinematography, for The Prestige, for The Dark Knight, and eventually winning for, do you know? Let's say Interstellar. Inception. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, trivia man. Tell me the budget. I don't know the budget. You're, oh, you're, you're the money so man shit. here. You already you already dropped the ball. $150 million. Do you know what it grossed? 200 in the US. No, 206. I was close with 200. Yeah. Eighth for the year of 2005. Worldwide, $374 million. Ninth for the year. Not great. Well, considering that this movie's marketing cost $100 million, yeah. the most spent on any movie at that time. That $100 million. What? It's a lot. It is a lot. That's an understatement. Yeah, so they wouldn't exactly have been rolling in the money after this movie. No. And I don't remember this movie being big when it came out either. Like, I know I loved it, but people were not talking about this movie. It wasn't until The Dark Knight and we saw Heath Ledger's, you know, appearance in the trailer that people got excited for Batman. Yeah. So the story was written by David S. Goya. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Who also helped Nolan write the screenplay with his brother, Jonathan. Yes, Jonathan Nolan. Remember him from? Uh, I remember seeing his name a lot on Memento. Yes. Do you know what else Jonathan Nolan went on to do? No. Westworld. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, indeed. Season one. Ooh. Let's not talk about season two. No. He actually went on to direct Blade Trinity. Hmm. Quite a uh, step down, if I do say so myself. A little bit. A little bit. But he also wrote 
the other, or he helped write the other movies in the Dark Knight trilogy. Also wrote Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman. Hmm. Some talent there. That is one peaky, peaky roster right there. So many ups and downs <laughs> with David S. Goyer. Peaky. Yeah. Okay. Peaks and then sags and then peaks again. Interesting. This movie is heavily influenced by Blade Runner, of all things. Could you tell that? No. Oh, interesting. No, I couldn't. And I couldn't because I'm not a big Blade Runner fan at all. I wouldn't see a movie like this and think, gee, that's like Blade Runner because I've seen Blade Runner once and don't remember it. Nolan invited the entire movie crew for a private screening of Blade Runner. And then after they watched it, he said, this is how we're going to make Batman. And, mate, why not? It's dark. It's gritty. Realistic. It's what it should be. Let's talk about the casting of Christian Bale. Do you want to talk about the considerations before Christian Bale? Sure. Heath Ledger. Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. Who else? Joshua Jackson. Nah, go on. Billy Crudup. You can do better, Hendo. Killian Murphy. Yeah, Killian Murphy went for it. Christopher Nolan really liked him, though, and Mm -hmm. did obviously give him the part of Jonathan Crane, but I actually saw Jake Gyllenhaal was- uh, Strong consideration. Big time strong consideration. How do you think a Jake Gyllenhaal Batman would have gone? Great. Yeah. He would have been great. Like, you can't say he wouldn't be. No, I think he would have. Definitely. What about Henry Cavill? Henry Cavill- I mean, you can see it. You can yep. see his performance in Fallout, and you can know he's got that that other side to him rather than the happy-go-lucky Superman. They also had David Duchovny because he was strongly considered for Batman and Robin. Yeah, nah, nah. He's got nothing on Clooney. That's <laughs> not saying much at all. No, it's not. Did you see who the executives actually wanted to play Bruce Wayne in this? Yes, yeah, so I saw it was Ashton Kutcher. Oh yeah. And the reason they didn't go for it is because of the outcry that occurred when they announced that another comedic actor in Michael Keaton was going to be the next Batman. And they didn't want that, you know, controversy going into this film. Dude, what does mine say? (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting with Christian Bale. So obviously he'd just come off doing the movie The Machinist. Now, for those of you out there that don't know what that movie is, he basically plays an anorexic man, and Christian Bale being the method actor that he was and is, he dropped to about 54 kilos or was 120 pounds. If you don't know this movie or you haven't seen anything, go on Google Images. He is skin and skin and bones. Yeah. He's Quite a contrast to any of his other films, basically. Yeah, and especially this, because he he tried to convince Christopher Nolan, I can put the weight back on, don't worry. And when he actually came back, he was too big. Yeah. Nolan said to him, be as big as you can be. Yeah. And what did he put on about? He got up to 220 pounds. Yeah, they were calling him Fat Man on set. (laughs) The balls on some of these people to call Christian Bale Fat Man. Yeah. I mean, we've seen his outbursts. He's intense. Speaking of which, he actually hated wearing the suit so much, but used that, used his frustrations with it to actually fuel his grumpier, angrier persona as Batman. He did shed 20 pounds after he became the fat man to get into a bit more physical shape. And you can actually see it in a few scenes. Like the first scene you see him topless in when he's getting beaten up on the poles by the ninjas, he's much bigger than later on when he's doing his push-ups on his bedroom floor. Oh, when he just falls to the floor like a nutcase. Yeah, that's good. But also, like, you look at Christian Bale, he wasn't exactly a well-known actor at this point. He'd done the performance as a child in Empire of the Sun. I believe he's in uh, The Thin Red Line, was he? Or am I mistaken there? I don't know. I don't know him from that. I've seen uh, Reign of Fire, Equilibrium at that point. American Psycho. American Psycho is, is the big one. And the funny thing about that is he's also playing in that a super rich guy with 
basically split personalities. It's bizarre because there were some shots that I saw in Batman Begins where it just rem- reminded me of Patrick Bateman. I'm the like, shiny face. Yeah. I was Christian like, Bale has a really shiny face. Because he's in a suit a lot in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. He actually lost his voice three times during filming doing his Batman voice. What do you think of the Batman voice? I love it. <laughs> I don't care. I, I honestly... I'm ambivalent to it. I, I I don't mind it. I don't hate it, and I don't I don't love it. I'll tell you, it's better than Clooney's Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> I I'm Batman. <laughs> I did read that while they were shooting on the streets of Chicago, a person accidentally crashed into the Batmobile. I did read this. Apparently, he thought it was some alien abduction or some crap. Yeah, he was drunk. What an idiot. Yes, indeed. Interesting that it was filmed in Chicago, though. Gotham's normally uh, basically a pseudonym for New York City Mm -hmm. in comics. So, And from what I've seen, it's pretty obviously Chicago as well. Like, you can see the river. Even Wayne Manor is a prominent building in Chicago. Yeah. It's not like they've CGI'd a building in there. That is an actual building. Nolan doesn't really like to use CGI a lot in his films, does he? No, he doesn't. Every chance he can get for a practical effect, he's going to get it. Yeah. I did read that Forbes magazine at the time did a breakdown of how much it would actually cost to become Batman. Did you see this? I did. Three and a half million dollars. I feel like that's a little low. Yeah, considering that apparently Bruce Wayne will be worth about eight billion dollars. Yeah. Seems like, yeah, a small chunk of change to be Batman. Three and a half million. Like, a lot of people have that. You get a lot of Batmans out like there. Like, you need a Batcave. Surely there's millions there. I mean, was did Bruce Wayne need millions? Well, he lucked out. He lucked out with his well, caves and and whatnot. But well, then you you don't have to put that on the budget, do you? Well, you just need luck. Yeah, three and a half million plus and, and a, a mansion and a bat cave. Yes. <laughs> I did read that uh, the film was responsible for James Bond producers. Yes, Michael J. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli to completely revamp the character in the films, taking it back to basics and going for a much darker and realistic tone, leading obviously into Casino Royale. So thank you, Batman Begins. That's right. That film. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'm sure it's not the only film that's done this. Oh, I clearly. think I think after these movies, a lot of a lot of superhero movies really went arguably too dark to try and emulate this realistic dark tone yeah. of the Nolan films. Mm-hmm. Did you see who was offered the role of Alfred before Michael Caine got it? Uh, I believe it was Anthony Hopkins. Yes, that would have worked. Yeah, I, I, I could have seen it. I, I can see, see it. it. I don't think he'd be as good because I think Michael Caine really brings he brings something special to this that role. That charming old man. Yes, he does. Uh, Rachel, Rachel Dawes, actually mm. written for Katie Holmes. Really? Yeah, they were going for that girl next door vibe. Do you think they had a lot to do with some sort of promotional marketing tactic here? This is around the time of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise on the couch and all that good stuff. Why not get her in as- You think Christopher Nolan would do this? I think the the studio would have been like, get Katie Holmes in. Like She's a big star right now. Like This will drive more people to come see it. You think Katie Holmes is bringing in- Bums at, on seats. At this point, what do you think Christian Bale is? I think Batman is. But having Katie Holmes in this film around the same time. Man, you say Holmes. I know. <laughs> I, I've said Holmes, Holmes, and Holmes. I've said her name I'll let like the, five I'll different let, times. I'll let the first few go, but <laughs> you just say it so smoothly. Katie Holmes. <laughs> oh, dear. No, this is about the same time as War of the Worlds, the big Tom Cruise summer blockbuster of I mean, 2005. Tom Cruise has always been big. You but don't Tom need Cruise to name Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. God. What do you think of her performance in this film? Love it. No, you don't. I do. Yeah, I wish do I wish they had not replaced her. What? And I was sitting there watching it and Britt turned to me and said, sucks that they uh, replaced her for the next one. You buy Katie Holmes 
as this district attorney. I this is this is one of the very small negatives that I have with this film. No, nah. is Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes is great Holmes. in this. She's really charming. I've got a soft spot for Katie Holmes. Well, I, I did watch Dawson's Creek as well back in the day. Also a hard spot. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say I watched Dawson's Creek, but not back in the day. <laughs> I started watching it long after it had finished, and uh, it wasn't bad. I watched a few seasons. All right, let's get into it. Yes, with an average of 8.2 over 1.1 million ratings, it is currently sitting at number 116. Far too low. Is it? Let's find out. Where's your plot summary, mate? All right. After training with his mentor, Batman begins his fight. <laughs> Batman begins. <laughs> Batman begins. I just saw Batman begins and I was like, come on, really? I'll try again. After training with his mentor, Batman begins his fight to free crime-ridden Gotham City from corruption. All right, mate. Let's do it. Bats make the logo. What'd you think of that? Oh, so good. It was good. Good start. How good is it? And it also sets up that, like, the bats are actually going to come back later. Yeah. And we get this in all three of these Dark Knight movies where the opening logo for the Dark Knight is the Dark Knight symbol in flames. Yeah. Which the Joker, obviously, is known for his explosions and whatnot. And in the third one, we get the Dark Knight symbol cracking through glass, like the glass that the civilians are made to walk across and get, like, dropped down into the ice. Good analysis. They also don't have the logo, like the, the name of the movie at the start here, do they? They don't do it with the other no, ones either. No. The name of the movie doesn't come until the end, I believe. Correct. That's good. I like that. You like that? I did like that. Oh, good. But now we start off here. We got a young Bruce Wayne having a little play with a young Rachel Dawes. And they play with this little arrowhead, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Which uh, comes back later on when they're adults. Is there any significance to this arrowhead? All I was thinking was Oliver Queen from Arrow. I was not. My name is Oliver Queen. <laughs> Another rich uh, billionaire vigilante by night. There's too many of them. They had to, Some no. might say there's not enough. We need more. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as he runs away with his arrowhead, he falls down the well and all the bats come out because they're freaked out. They're scared. That's right. That's yeah. right. There's oh, Yeah, so they are scared. This whole movie is about fear. Yes, and overcoming that fear. And I never realised how many times the word fear oh. is mentioned in this film. Like, I know, obviously, the scarecrow uses fear toxin to mm. you know, drive his victims crazy, basically, but it is non-stop, like... Yeah, it's not, it's not just the the bad guy's reasoning, like, for trying to destroy Gotham, what they use. It's also just, yeah, the general theme of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, uh, this is the genesis yeah. of Batman. Not just overcoming, but, like, embracing the fear as well. Exactly. But we get Bruce Wayne waking up in his Tibetan jail. Much older, much older Christian Bale with a beard, some long hair, looking uh, he, quite gruff. He was 30 when he uh, played... Youngest Batman, I believe. Yeah, youngest. Mm. You know who the oldest is? Uh, look, I'm going to say... Affleck? Yes, of course. He's playing an older Batman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was 44. Yeah, I think I read that. And even here, like, Bruce Wayne wakes up and he says to his uh, cellmate, whatever it is, says he had a nightmare. Like, this isn't hmm. him. Like, he could have said he had a dream, but it's not. This is something that, like, terrorises him. It terrorises him at this point as well. Yeah, he had this nightmare where he's falling down and the bats attack him because we know it scares him. Like, it sets up straight away that even though, obviously, he's going to become Batman. Is he? This is someone who has his weaknesses, who has his flaws. Maybe flaws isn't the right word, but he has... Oh, to, to Dean, Bruce Wayne is flawless. <laughs> <laughs> but he has his, his weaknesses, will we say. What do you think of this big guy in the... Uh, 
in the prison here. I thought it was funny. I always remember this line. You're not the devil. You're practice. Yeah, I love that line. It's really cool. Yeah. It just said, yeah, it sets up like because you see Bruce Wayne, he's kind of a smaller guy compared to this massive like, oh, Bruce Wayne's stuffed here. Yeah. And then he just just that confident, like, oh no, he's got the he's got the upper hand here. He takes on all these guys. And even the guards when they're taking him away. Why? For protection! I don't need protection. Protection for them. Yeah, so Bruce Wayne or Christian Bale is doing what's called KC fighting style. Okay. Oh, it's just this super... Hero? You sort of, you stay more tight and your body movements are smaller, but more damaging, basically. Okay. And I like the use of cuts in this fight where, and they do it, Nolan does it a lot in this film. You don't actually see, it's not one of these films where you get a wide angle and you can see the action all very clearly. And it's because it doesn't fit the character. It's not cheap ways of getting around, you know, poor fighting styles. Some or people might like think that. that it is. I know, but I, I don't. I, yeah. In, uh, in particular, the first time we actually see him as Batman in the um, yeah doc, the doc with the chambers and all, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Very quick, 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 quick. Like so, because it's it's trying to show like like he's he's speed, like he's um. It's trying to show it from the criminal's point of view. Okay. I would say more so because he is the he's the dark, like he's in the shadows. It's like you can't really keep, get a, a quick eye on what he's doing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's here we meet Ducard, quote unquote Ducard. Thank you for quoting me. So we get our first mention of Rachel Ghoul here. Rachel Ghoul. Ah, oh, you're going with the proper way. Is the it? correct way of pronouncing his name. I'll go yes. with the movie one, which is what Raz Al Ghoul. Raz. No, it's actually Raish Al Ghoul. Okay. Do you know what Raish Al Ghoul means? No. No? Does it mean immortal? Yeah, it means the demon's head, which does come back later, which we'll get to. But basically his League of Shadows, you know, are his his body, his, you know, his way of physically inflicting damage to the world, and he sits atop that is the head of the demon. I say immortal uh, because there is some sort of immortality to this character that's not in the film. Correct. I mean, I don't know. It's weird. It's sort of hinted at in ways. But, yeah, Ra's al Ghul is, is mainly known for wanting to commit genocide all the time. Like, he loves, loves killing people and for deducting Batman's true identity, both of which actually occur in this film. Yeah, because cutting a bit further when they're talking in Wayne Manor, he mentions stuff about, like, the plague and all that sort of long back in the day. Exactly. So they are they are referring to, you know, previous escapades of Ra's al Ghul here. But it's not, I'm sorry, it's not going to get old for you to say Rachel Ghoul. Like it sounds really. Like you, you have it so it just slips off the tongue. <laughs> Rachel Ghoul. Yeah. So in the in the comics, in most source materials, Rachel Ghoul he has to get into what's called the Lazarus Pit, and he's believed to be over 600 years old at this point. Okay. But he does sport the very similar uh, style mustache that Liam Neeson is rocking right now, with the split down the middle. Mm-hmm. Quite good. Ducard does talk to Bruce here about fear and about the relationship between fear and the criminal underworld. But Ducard basically sets him about his quest to find enlightenment, basically. He tells yeah. him to pick this flower, meet us at this top of this thing, if you want to. Yeah, he's not forcing him to do it. No, it's- He knows he's going to do it. Of course. Yeah. How could you not? But he ends up making this trek up the mountain. Looks good. It looks really good. Yeah, this whole snow sequence- Really, really good looking. No wonder it got nominated for Best Cinematography. Yeah, no, I agree. And I can imagine a lot of people going in to see the latest Batman movie just being like, what the fuck am I watching? I'm, I'm expecting this dark movie and I just got bright white snow. Yeah, like every Batman movie before starts with Batman being Batman. Yeah. Like well, this. if you're going to go into a movie called Batman Begins, 
and think, why am I not getting Batman straight away? I know, but I'm just highlighting how different this is. Like, we know it now. We're used to it now. I think back then this would have been almost jarring for a lot of audiences. Well, this is one of the first, you know, dark, gritty superhero films of its kind. So I imagine a lot of people would have been taken aback by it. Did you notice that the language that Ken Watanabe uses is neither Japanese nor Tibetan? 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 Tibetan. It's actually not a language at all. No, I heard it was just he was just making up gibberish. Sounds bloody good, though. Subtitle listed it as Urdu. 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 <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay. I like the... Uh, Ducard says, like, what are you seeking? And Bruce says... The means to fight injustice, to turn fear on those who prey on the fearful. Again. Lots of fear. All about all the about, fear. It's all about fear. Like, why are you here? I want to make my enemies afraid, is what he's saying. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's great. I love how Ducard just, like, snaps here. Oh. Your training begins now. Oh, I can't even stand. Your training begins now. <laughs> Death does not wait for you to be ready. <laughs> it's the shit out of me. <laughs> uh, it is a great moment when Bruce finally catches Ducard's kick. Yeah. And they do, like, out of nowhere, like... Tiger, and they do all these yeah. fighting styles, <laughs> kung fu, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, nah, odd. Never really comes back. <laughs> now we get the flashback back to young Wayne after the well fall now. Yes. We meet Alfred and his dad and quickly goes to them heading to the opera on the train, which they need to set up that this is the train that they basically donated to the city of Gotham. Now, do you, you obviously would know a lot about Wayne's parents. He mentions he works at the hospital, but he has this big company that he doesn't really work at. He lets the, the businessmen sort that out. So what is he? Is he a doctor who's had this company for past down generation to generation? What, what's, what's the Wayne story? So I think the Wayne story in this timeline is that the Waynes, say Thomas, has inherited all this money through his Wayne family name. Okay. Okay, so it's a very rich family. And Thomas Wayne can basically do whatever he wants. Mm. He has his Wayne company. That's fine. But judging by his mention of the hospital, the medical like stethoscope in his room, yeah. I think he's a doctor. I think he's a full-on doctor. I think this is how he helps the people. Yeah. yeah. This is his way of helping. Cool. All right. But just going to the play, do you, did you read up at all on this play? No. I think you did, though. <laughs> Maybe this is like the, the the ultimate research movie for Dean. Oh, I loved it. Okay, so the play that he sees here is actually based on the play Mephistopheles. <laughs> so, it's interesting because normally Bruce Wayne's parents are said to be murdered after a viewing of the play Zorro, which does actually appear in Snyder's Batman vs. Superman. Once they leave it, you see clearly the poster for Zorro. We will not be speaking of BBS anymore in this film, please. Well, I think we might. But Nolan changed it so he could push more bat imagery in the play. Because you can actually see in the play here that these actors have Batman-style cows already on them. Yeah. And all these zip lines dangling on the stage, like this is all, this is how Batman does his thing. I really like this scene though, the way he's, he gets scared. I, I really appreciate the dad's reaction here of being, he doesn't question him, he doesn't make no. fun of him. Or He's like, and even outside he says to Martha, Martha. Why did you say that name? He says. Oh no. <laughs> he says. <laughs> He says, oh, it was just a bit much for me, you know. Like, he's not saying, oh, yeah, he, he you know, the kid it, yeah. was scared and all that. I did like that. Now, one thing about this part is, did they leave out the side? Was that the front entrance? Was that the back? Oh, I think it was out the back. Why did they leave out the back? Maybe it was an emergency exit. Was it that much of an emergency they could have gone out the front? It's pretty scared, Hendo. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're so scared, son. Let's go out the back entrance into Gotham and the dark city 
in the scum of Gotham. All right, so they're, they're shot by Joe Chill here. What do you know about Joe Chill? Because what I knew- He sounds no. like a chill kind of guy. Because what I knew from um, Batman history was basically that- the, A fucking lot. <laughs> the Joker killed his parents from the 89 Batman, yes. which is what I grew up on watching as his origin. You know, Jack Napier, who becomes the Joker. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting for me to see Joe Chill here. He Joe Chill is actually the person who canonically kills Bruce Wayne's parents. Joe Chill, though, is not some homeless bum on the side of the road as he is here. He's actually a crime boss whose henchmen turn on him once they realise many years down the line that he actually created Batman and they kill him. Bit of trivia there for you, Endo. You are full of trivia today. I did like the imagery of Martha's Pearls. Why did you say that name? Which do make appearances in many of the Batman origin tales. Much like. (laughs) No. (laughs) Most notably in the Dark Knight Returns graphic novel, Year One, and the Burton's Batman also. Also in Snyder's Batman vs. (laughs) Even Bruce Wayne's dad liked his very last words to his son. And we get the final iconic shot of the little boy sitting in between his dead parents. And scene. What a great scene. You're all right. You need a, you need a break. No, I'm good. You need a fan off here. Let's power through. I like that Gordon is here. I love the casting of Gary Oldman. He was actually the last actor to be cast in this film, playing massively against type. Oh, yeah. He's known for his villainous roles, I'll tell you that. No, for sure. Like, you think of him now, you sort of think of his kindly commissioner Gordon, but... For sure, he is known Even for- after this, he went on and he did uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, um, more recently Darkest Hour. He started to move into more friendlier roles. Yeah, certainly a far cry from, say, The Fifth Element, Air Force One, Leon the Professional. Ah, uh, The Fifth Element. <laughs> Such a weird unit in that one. He is, he is. What about Dracula? Yes, of course, Dracula. Yeah. So we get Commissioner Loeb here. Obviously, Gordon's not commissioner yet. He becomes commissioner in Dark Knight, is that right? Or is he still not commissioner there? No, no, he is because I remember the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Commissioner. Yes. So Commissioner Loeb. The name Loeb is a homage to writer Jeff Loeb, who wrote The Long Halloween and The Dark Victory, among many others. Now, The Long Halloween, have you read that graphic novel, Hunter? What the hell are you talking about? Of course I haven't. So The Long Halloween... There's a lot um, based off that graphic novel in this film. A fantastic, fantastic read. Really, really like it. It does look at the gritty underworld. You know, Carmine Falcone is a big character in there. Also a big character in Year One, which does get uh, mentioned a lot by me in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This This is slowly but surely becoming a niche podcast. Slowly but surely becoming your least favourite podcast. No, it's fine. I'm enjoying the trivia that I'm forgetting immediately. Okay. Did you like Rutger Hauer in this film? I bet he loved the rewatch of Blade Runner. He's like, oh, he's look at Rutger. This he's is me. Sitting this around. Is me. Look how in shape I was back then. I've seen things. You remember that from No, Blade no, I don't. Yeah, he's okay in this. I mean, if you're going to oh, no, cut I, something I, out no. of this, you can get rid of him. But Yeah. No, he's He's... Hardly a standout. But I did like this scene between Bruce and Alfred. It's nice. Shows uh, how long they've had their relationship for. Yeah, and kid Bruce, you know, blames himself for the parents' death. I actually don't like this kid actor. You have a negative about this film? No, it's not negative. I just think if so I had yeah, to pick... I didn't if, like a negative. If there was one negative... It'd be Katie Holmes. 
Nah, Cadyham is much better than this kid. He's a little he's a little weak. I will say that. But kudos to Alfred because he's lost his family too. Like I know he's the butler, but this is his family. Yeah, I completely agree. Good. Thought you're gonna get a bit anti butler on me. No, nah, no, nah, my cocaine is awesome in this one. Stop it. <laughs> we are doing a serious podcast today. <laughs> we get back to training with Ducard. Love the lo- training. Lovely ice mountains as well. A couple of de- there's some montages in this film. I'll tell you that. Considering it, you know, it is a origin story. There's going to be some montages, mm. and this is a good montage. Yeah, this fight on the ice. The actors could actually hear the ice cracking underneath them. And when you watch it, the cracking is super loud. Can you leave the film trivia to me and you'll stick to the comic trivia, okay? <laughs> Give me something to say, <laughs> would you? <laughs> no, and apparently the next day after shooting, they went back and the lake was completely melted. What did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're chatting uh, around the fire here. Apparently this uh, rub your chest, uh, the arms will uh, take care of themselves. It wasn't real. That was just something they made up, so much so that it took on. Like, the Boy Scouts w- went and started doing this. This was, this became a thing. Did it? Yeah. Go Boy Scouts. I did find it funny how Ducard's backstory was he had a, a wife. She was taken. <laughs> <laughs> good, thing he's, good thing he has a particular set of skills. <laughs> but I found them, and I killed them. No, it was good to get this little mention of the wife. Now, I don't think they knew where this was going, but it definitely does play in very nicely to The Dark Knight Rises with the uh, storyline with Bane there. Yeah, I think just going back to the lake scene, it's not just the fighting that's great. It's the interaction between these two characters. Like, Ducard, obviously, I don't think Bruce is there to become physically a better fighter. He's obviously a very good fighter already. It's more about getting him in the correct mental state. To be a ninja, it's not about yeah the martial arts. It's about becoming invisible, becoming yeah. But the getting dark. getting him to confront his past, like when yeah. Descartes said, like your parents' death was not your fault. It was your father's. He like gets really angry, and he's like, "All right, you've got to use that anger properly." <laughs> Is that? I've had on, I've had uh, I've had training. Your training means nothing. <laughs> he mentions that it was his father's fault. Let's move a little bit forward to the Wayne Manor discussion again. Was there the indication that they seeked out to kill the Waynes? No. So they seeked out to ruin Gotham through um, you know, their means of economy, like crippling basically the underbelly of this city, but they weren't able to because of the kindliness of the Wayne family. It wasn't about the Waynes back then. So were, was there this somewhat plan to kill the Waynes to end that? No. So they say that, you know, Rachel Ghoul is partly responsible for the death. Like he didn't physically pull the trigger that killed the parents, mm. but he created that sort of desperation in the city where someone would kill for, you know, some a petty theft. Yeah, fair enough, because I think I remember them saying that once they were killed, it actually raised the spirits of Gotham for a tiny bit there as well to, to come together after yeah. the death of the Waynes. Okay. All right, we flash back, flash back, no, we flash forward to the hearing, getting ready for the hearing of Joe Chill. We're back with uh, Bale as Bruce Wayne here with a ridiculous haircut. You like it? He's <laughs> just combed it forward. It, it makes him look 20 sh- years old. <laughs> yeah, it just makes him look like, oh, this is a young Bruce Wayne still. Yes. <laughs> I like the the argument, I guess, here with Bruce and Alfred, how Alfred is family. Like, he's he's not he's not blood family, but this is his family. And well, he's expl- lost, yeah, he's lost people He's too. explaining the importance of the house. Like, 
Because Bruce is saying, oh, I just want my room. He's like, no, you're the master of this house. You get the master bedroom. He mentions destroying the the house. I'll tear it apart brick by brick. Alfred's like, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really like uh, Alfred in this. He brings a a levity and sincerity to the role that really does ground Bruce very significantly. I saw that Michael Caine really wanted to work with Nolan. Again and again and again. again. (laughs) Yep, he starts off with this film and hasn't missed a film since. Yep. Doesn't hurt when you're part of a trilogy, mind you. Now they're in the court now with Joe Chill's hearing because he's helped finger Falcone, I guess. Nice. Yeah. Uh, he gets out and Bruce is going to kill him. He's got the gun, ready to go. It's ready to go. But I'm sure that this woman who kills Joe Chill was definitely because of Falcone. Well, she says, Falcone says hi. Yeah, that's why I said it. <laughs> But there is a shot here that actually pays homage to the guy who killed... Oh, you're talking about uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald, thank you. When he was leaving the courthouse and got shot. So there's that flash. Interestingly, played by Gary Oldman in JFK. How's that for some trivia on the fly? Another villain. But we do get a bunch of uh, do-gooding from Rachel here, talking about the difference between justice and revenge. And Bruce is saying sometimes they're the same thing. No, they're not. No, Bruce, they're never the same thing. That's better acting than she did. (laughs) And then he reveals that he was going to kill Fel, Fel, oh no, he was going to kill Joe Chill. Shows him, shows the gun, and she has no chill in this scene. She gives an awful slap. It is like palm forward, like you're throwing a ball. Go the curve arm and get him on the other side. <laughs> okay. Twice. Okay. Well, the first one wasn't enough. Even the line though, she says to him here, "Your father would be ashamed of you." I think it really does hit home with him because... Well, obviously, he gets out of the car and throws the gun away. Throws the gun away. But he still visits Falcone anyway. Yeah, I think Tom Wilkinson is great as Falcone. Tom Wilkinson is so good in this film. For that little role he has, he he makes it worth it. I love it when he's talking about how all these important people are here and then out of nowhere he just pulls a gun on Bruce and he's like, I wouldn't give a second sort and pull on this trigger. That's power you can't buy. That's the power of fear. He's very good. Boom. There's so many quotable lines in this film as well. Yeah. It really is. Most of them have the word fear in them. And most of them get repeated. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's a really key element here where Falcone's saying, you know, like, you think you got nothing to lose. You got stuff to lose. Yeah. What about that cute girl in the DA's office? What about your butler friend? Yeah. You know, and it's here There's always something to lose. And it's here where Bruce is like, yeah, I've got to think of these people too, you know. Mm. Like, I can't be doing what I want to do. In such a, you know, in a public, public manner, yeah. yeah. So he decides to leave town, gives the coat to his bum. Boris. Boris. Ooh. I think he prefers Boris the Blade. If it does not work, you can hit him with it. <laughs> so we get another montage here of Bruce Wayne being a criminal. Yes, but he, over the with the voiceover when he's talking to Ducard, you know, he explains that he understood why some people do it. Like, he needed to survive, steal some food. But then he realized, like, the stuff that he's stealing, it's not stealing, it's his stuff. Oh, I think on that occasion it was, but... He realized that he's he, definitely He's definitely hanging with the criminals to see what they are like, to get to know... Yeah, you know, he definitely understands the this one. There's that, like every criminal is not the same. Yeah, and I like the line he says about losing assumptions about the simple notion of right and wrong. Yeah, he says the first time I stole was so I didn't starve. Yeah, exactly. Oh, great sequence here, where he burns the blue flower. Solid, it, solid. It's really, really clever what they do here. Just quickly, they obviously encountered a bit of a an issue with Liam Neeson being so much taller than all these Tibetan ninjas. Yeah, so they put them all on wooden blocks. Hey, I got some movie trivia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it is a great scene though, and seeing 
seeing the reveal of the end of uh, Ducard walking around, seeing the cut on one of the ninjas, and he's yeah. like, never leave a- any trace. And then he comes from I behind. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> uh, so good smarts there. But this is where everything changes for old Brucey asked to kill this thief that we got a quick mention of in one of the montages earlier. And he just straight up, no, not going to do it. And this is this is what separates Bruce from the League of Shadows. He, your your he compassion is something your enemies will not share. That's why it's so important. It separates us from them. I love the I love Ken Watanabe's performance here. Like, it's such a small role. Mm-hmm. But the way, the way he says, Gotham's time has come. Like Constantinople or Rome or before it. The city has become a breeding ground for suffering and injustice. It is beyond saving and must be allowed to die. And they also talk about here how they're going to destroy Gotham. And this is probably one of the big reasons why Bruce does what he does. If he continues this, they're going to destroy the whole city. Yeah, this is why he has to go back to Gotham. Yeah. And he realises here, kudos to him for realising he can't just walk out of this now. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, he either kills this one guy or kills 50 of his ninja friends. (laughs) I know. It's a bit bit of a double standard here. I cannot kill this man, so I will have him burn alive in this house. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to kill Raza Ghul, I'm going to kill all these ninja people, and this guy's going to die too. But, yeah, he does exactly what we just said. Just sets the place ablaze. Kills Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul. Saves Ducard. Would not be an easy feat. Not just lifting Liam Neeson, but then doing the ultimate oh, bicep curl over the mountain. That looked ridiculous. I'd be like, sorry, mate. See you later. Yeah. that's uh, He's a big man. I bet you kind of wished he did that now. Because he is <laughs> Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> the interaction between Alfred and Bruce on the plane is really... It's funny. It's great. We also get him here talking about how he wants to be a symbol. He needs to be a symbol for the people. And and Alfred's the one that mentions, just so you know, people like me don't get caught in the crosshairs here. Yeah. Good good mention that everything went to Alfred while he was away. Everyone thought he was dead. You can borrow the rolls if you like. <laughs> just bring it back with full tank. <laughs> Classic cane. <laughs> But here we get Dr. Jonathan Crane. And Victor Zaz. What do you know about Victor Zaz? He's in a movie called Batman Begins. Yes, he is. Do you know who Victor Zaz is? Uh, he must be some sort of villain. I think I read yes. something, I think I read something about him that he, it. he like he carves the yep. the, the, the victims, like the amount of victims he kills into his body or something. Perfect. That's all you need to know. Well, look at that. I know some Batman trivia. <laughs> He's a serial killer who carves, you know, a mark for each victim he kills. I'm ready for my Batman tattoo. And he's covered in <laughs> He's covered in all these scars. So, he's a he's a pretty well-known Batman villain. But we quickly get established here that Crane he's doing some dodgy stuff here. He's corrupt. Yeah, definitely sending these not insane people to Arkham. And Rachel just flat out accuses him of it. Yep. And he gets he gets a, he gets defensive. So, like, how dare you? Talks to her boss. I don't know his name. The DA. Yeah, that guy. Uh, this scene, I'd, I've seen this movie a lot. I'd forgotten about this scene. We get this weird kiss on the cheek yeah. from Rachel and this DA. Like, are they supposed to be together? And Bruce is, like, watching him yeah. in his hobo clothes. <laughs> like, this goes nowhere. Like, thank God. Like, Rachel has a thing for the DAs, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. Because of Harvey Dent? Oh, you sure? <laughs> I thought you were saying I like the D and the A. I was thinking, that's what I was thinking. She's got a thing for the D. So we see a bat inside Wayne Manor. 
Yes, we do. One of the few actual real-life bats used in this film. Yeah, so I doubt they-, they got 10,000 bats in some of their scenes that they got coming up here. Yeah, so whenever there's a huge swarm of bats, obviously all of that is CGI because they physically cannot control that many bats. Oh, my God. I shit you not, I saw a bat today. Jesus, okay. Left left field here. Go I on. I mean, what are the odds? You know, the last time I saw a bat, never outside of a zoo or, you know, sanctuary <laughs> or some crap. It was seriously just laying on the floor. It was dead. Where are you? Where were you? I was work. at work. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was outside. It was outside. It was four inches long. <laughs> I'm impressed. After you had the bat? Oh, wow. What, what are you implying? Anyway, I just thought it was wildly uh, coincidental. I should have gone down and checked the- uh, The bat cave? The bat cave to see if I could become Batman. Oh, you wish, don't you? Mm. So he's obviously, he goes down and he gets a huge amount of bats flying him. And he's initially scared, but he, nope, I will stand up and embrace it. I think this is a fantastic scene. Fantastic shot. Yeah, that's why I didn't have it as my favourite scene because it is just, it's really a single shot. The wow, mu- the this, music's this was in con- music. Oh, we haven't mentioned yeah. music oh, by music, Hans oh Zimmer. God. Yes, how can we go without Hans Zimmer's score here? Oh, it's so iconic right, right now. It's just, I love it. I could listen to this soundtrack just by its own, on its own. Mm. No, it is good. Yeah, but this scene in general, yeah, where he he learns to accept it, he embraces, it, and he ca- like he strongly stands up with all his bats around as he embraces it. Very, very good shot. We have a meeting here with Crane and Falcone. You get this little hint that uh, there's someone bigger than Falcone. And you've had Falcone basically tell Bruce that he's not afraid of anyone. He's the man. He's the one in charge. But when Crane says he's on his way, you see that fear. He's like, oh, he's coming here. Oh, shit. Okay. Now, I don't know if you can remember your first time watching it. Did you have any idea of what this was? Like, Did you have any idea about this Ra's al Ghul, Liam Neeson shock twist? No, I didn't. No? I don't remember. I mean, that's 14 years ago. Yeah, it's a good point. I really wish we could remember those times where that first time we watched some of these movies. Sort of cinemas. I know that. Yeah, I did too. I'd never seen Christian Bale in anything. Not me neither. Yep. Now we get Bruce showing up at Wayne Enterprises here in his little suave manner. Old flirt dog here. Playing golf with the little secretary. Golf lessons. Just swing the hips. <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned that the, the business is going public soon. So Bruce would have the majority shares at this point. Is that right? If it's his- Well, no, there's no shares. Oh, that's right. Public it's, it's a, it's public a private- Public means- Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so- Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so that's-, that's yeah, <laughs> There's I was, no shares until it goes that's public. That's why I was concerned. Like, okay, so how- Like, why is he not being able to say something like, no, no, we'll just keep it private. We'll just- Like, we'll keep it the way it is and I'll take over. And he has to wait for it to go public so he can get the majority well, shares. Well, Earl says like, oh, we're too far into this. We can't yeah. stop it. And yeah, Bruce doesn't, doesn't put any fight back to it. Because he knows what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to go down to Applied Sciences and he meets Fox. Morgan Freeman. What a champion. He really is. He's so good in this. He's so casual. Like, he's very funny in this film. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of one-liners. Yeah, he's good. I love all the gadgets. Love all the gadgets here. (laughs) Because they're they're real. They're practical. Are you expecting to run into much gunfire on this spelunking? (laughs) Spelunking. Base jumping. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I like, all jokes aside, this is- one of the key elements of this whole movie that everything in here is set up as realistic. Yeah. Like all these gadgets, they're all military, you know, prototypes in some cases. $300,000 suit that they couldn't, Stuff they weren't going to afford to. You know, been made, been developed, but yeah. is just too expensive, not for Bruce Wayne. No. Even 
the way he gets and makes his own cow in separate pieces. Yeah, I love that. It's great. Even in bulk. Even the ears. Like the ears of the cow is something that is like it's it's a bit goofy, like having these big fake ears on your mask. But he uses it as like a yeah, earpiece. That's the whole thing. Like yeah. in here, he needs these ears as basically antennas so he can listen in. Yep. It's no. really, really clever. I like all those little bits and pieces there where, yeah, he's, he hasn't ordered in this suit in one thing. People are like, hmm, yeah. hmm I made this bat suit for someone. Now there's this <laughs> Batman going around. So now we're introduced to Gordon's corrupt cop friend, Flass. Mark Boone Jr., who is also in Memento. Yes, another Nolan staple. And Sons of Anarchy. Yes, that's probably the, the big things he's known for. Mm. So Flass is a character who originates from, again, Frank Miller's Year One comic. Mm-hmm. That's it? That's, that's it. Got. That's I'll stop. Yeah. It's a really short comic. You should read it. Seriously. Yeah, I'm right. Now we get Batman looking very uh, season one daredevilish. Oh, yeah, with the <laughs> the, cloth, the cloth mask. Yeah, the stapler on the back of Gordon's neck. And this scene... Is so good. It is good. Like he's he's asking Gordon, you know, what do we need? <laughs> we need leverage on Judge Faden and a DA brave enough to prosecute. He's like, in, the, in the photos. Yeah. Rachel Dawes. You're just one man. Now we're two. That's a sweet line. And even here we get our first like disappearing act, which yeah. is, you know, very uh, iconic of the character that you know, characters will turn around mid mid conversation, mm. and he will have already disappeared. But you see, but he's it- still learning. Here. He's sloppy because he looks out the window. There he is. Yeah, <laughs> there he is, and he's flying across these buildings, just copping. Oh, he just leaps off the building. Oh. oh, that was a brutal landing. And again, like we see here, he's jumping off buildings, getting hurt. Yeah. So he goes to Fox. I need a cape. I need something to help me fly. Yeah. Like it's really everything has a reason. Everything jumping, has of a course. Per- yeah. <laughs> The wings is good. I love how they they explain what that's about. Where you know the the electric current goes through it and brings the memory cloth back in. So that's how he can bring the wings down and then pull them back out. <laughs> and this is where we get the uh, what's that? All oh, that? You wouldn't be interested in that. And cut to the tumbler. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did read that Christian Bale did perform a lot of his own stunts, but he was nowhere. He was not allowed anywhere near the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, you can understand why. Five of them were made, apparently. It's at this point here that we... For me, it's a, it's an iconic line because I remember hearing about it in the trailers a lot. Does it come in black? And here we get a little montage again of him fixing up the cave, uh, sorting his suit out, and we get that question that, why bats? Why bats? Bats frighten me. Yes, again, fear. It's time my enemies share my dread. Yeah, contrary to the other previous Batman movies in which the Batcave was shown as a combination of a live set with some matte paintings... Stylish. Yes. No visual effects were used in this movie to show the Batcave. This is an actual cave. No, I think it's just a full-scale set. (laughs) I thought we were going, like, real realistic here, Hendo. Can you imagine how dark that cave would be? (laughs) But it's time. It's time to meet Batman. It is time for my... Excellent! No shit. Play it again. Excellent! I'm not surprised. Like, this is so good. This is a standout scene in this film. It's so... It's almost treated like a horror film as well. Like, he's this black, dark ninja. And, like, just- we've had one hour of this Batman film yep. where we have not seen Batman. He has not been in this film yet. Everything mm-hmm. we've watched has led to this moment of Batman embracing all these different elements, costume, abilities, ninja skills... You know, desires, fear, bats, everything into one tight little beautiful package. 
and we get it. We get these these goons on their their dock, and it's just like you hear the you hear these noises, and it's like, oh, what's that? What's that? Then the lights get smashed out. Pew, pew. And he sees a, symbol he sees a batarang. Yeah. It's called a batarang. Don't say bat symbol. It's a bat symbol. It's, it's a, a symbol batarang. of a bat. They look up and you just, that scream, quick cut. Like just. Oh, like you see a couple of them disappear. Yeah. And, and you see like, you see Batman like a quick little image like fly across. Yeah. Yep. And then yep. the guy's like, where, where are you? Like, oh, no, no, no. Do, oh. It, do it properly. <laughs> oh. Where are you? Where are you? It is amazing. It is a great cut right there. And like then the, the editing it, is just phenomenal here. It is a solid, solid scene. And even that bit at the end with Falcone, I know you I know there's been a couple of times where you say when someone says like, Who are you? And you're like, What what what, what does that even mean? It works well here. Well, because Falcone is like shitting himself. He's in this car now. He's trying to load a shotgun and he's just like talking to himself practically. Mm. He's like, What the hell are you? Yeah. You know, like he's, he's freaking out. out of the roof. Just pulled out of the roof. Uh, <laughs> nice coat. Yes. <laughs> nice little callback there. Was, yeah, this scene just, I was so excited watching it again. It was kind of embarrassing. Oh, don't be embarrassed. It's a great scene. I, I feel like Brit was embarrassed watching me. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> let's take that cover off, shall we? <laughs> Even this next scene. We get Rachel being attacked by the thugs here and she thinks she's scaring him off. She yeah. turns around and he's just sitting there on the perch. He looks enormous. Can I just say the acting from Katie Holmes here is bad. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, come on, you do not come off as a tough woman. That's, I could never believe her as like this huge DA tough woman here. She just doesn't come across like that. She's not a DA. She's a DA's assistant. Oh, I'm sorry. She's a assistant DA. to the DA. <laughs> Even when she tases him, yeah, does not flinch. He just pulls him off. Yep, just like stop, got a it. It's like a crumb on his shoulder. <laughs> Even the bat symbol has a realistic origin yeah, story. That's solid. Like to strap Falcone to this this huge searchlight, which would burn his face off, mind you. To have it project this image of the bat is it's so great. But we have Bruce the next day as uh, Alfred wakes him up. Hold on, nah, not yet. No, this is my all-time favorite shot of the film here. In between Falcone's bat symbol and him waking up. I was him on the top of the tower. We see him as like a gargoyle and yeah. we get this gorgeous, almost 360 shot of him perched up there. Yeah. Oh, the lighting Quality. is perfect. Everything just looks amazing. Yeah, I was just going to talk about, like I said before, nutcase Bruce Wayne who just falls to the ground for a push-up. Don't do that. Just do it normally, please. I will admit I did do that in my youth. Well, fall on your face. To see if I could do the full push-up. How'd that go? Good. Didn't hurt your wrists or anything? <laughs> it was fine. It's not I, that hard. Yeah, I bet you fell to the ground. Like, I could do this, and then you just stop. No push-ups. I just fall to the ground. <laughs> I can catch myself. But they're basically telling him you need to have some sort of a life here. You can't be this, you know, recluse. Mm. You need to show your face. You need to do something. Yeah. So he goes out and he's a playboy. Yeah. And it's at this uh, hotel meeting where we get, I'm sorry, the name is uh, escaping me, but the main actress from Nolan's first ever film, The Following. I believe it's Following. Okay, Following. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you didn't know what to say there, did you? So she actually has the second highest number of lines from a female in this film, which do, really does put in- the first? <laughs> I, I do love his brazenness here, where, he gets, where the women are 
swimming in the pool and he's been asked to leave. He's like, I'm buying this hotel. I'm going to change uh, the swimming policies. <laughs> yes. And what a first, what a terrible moment for him to see Rachel for the first time. But here. I love his reaction, how he th- he's, he's trying to be cool and swat, and then he sees it and his face drops. Oh, he like, is, oh my God. He is like ashamed right now. Yeah. Because this says, isn't who he is. No, and he says, that, like, this is not, this is not me, like- he, he, he can't. He can't explain. He just wants to tell her that he's on her side, like he's yeah. in her corner. She is not alone, but he just he can't. And we get that line, which is going to be repeated later. Deep down, you may still be that same great kid you used to be, but it's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. Great line, both times. Better the second time when Bale says it. In fairness. But I still love you, Katie Holmes. Or Holmes, as you would say. Well, it's Holmes and Watson, isn't it? Oh, stop it. But Falcone gets gassed oh, here. Another great scene. Let's see, this is what I mean. It's just. Would you like to see my mask? <laughs> so, when did the nut take over the nut house? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He's just. He comes, he's like, yeah, Dr. Crane, I'm insane. I can't take it anymore. This wild, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Killian Murphy is great in this scene. Like he's Puts the burlap sack on it. It looks so freaky. They're not very frightening to a guy like you, but these crazies, they can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good. And I, I do like the way that this is our first viewing of the Scarecrow mask. Yeah. It doesn't turn into the, you know, crazy visions, the hallucinations like the other ones. This is just like real quick cuts yeah. to his face, mm-hmm. the mask, and he just he obviously loses it. We get a bit more exposition here about how the different two animals that were getting split up in the drug bust. One was going to just the regular drugs, but the other one was going somewhere else they weren't sure about. Yep. There's always this little hidden thing going on here. There's you know, the the hidden um, crane talking to Falcone. we got another person coming in soon. Yep. These different animal drugs. What's going on here? What is going mm. on? A little mystery going mystery. on here. So Batman goes to talk to Flass. Flass? Fass? Flass. Flass. There's a good scene. Pulls him up in the air. Where are the drugs going? <laughs> His Batman voice is at this its is, most this Batman peak, in, yeah. this, in this movie. Even his like gruff face, he's just he's so, trying to put that. And it's raining on. like it's. Yeah. Do I look like a cop to you? <laughs> I never knew. I swear to God. <laughs> swear to me. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, but there is something else in the drugs that they're sending off here, which we'll find out later on is the fear gas. And Rachel's boss, who's seen. Once before, finds this microwave emitter that, you know, got stolen from Wayne Enterprises. He gets killed. I mean, this this didn't have any effect on me at all. This was a You weren't cut up about it? No. About this strong relationship we've we've uh, found out here between the, this DA guy and Rachel. Yeah, yeah. I do like her line later on when he's missing. Which in this town means that I should probably start by looking at the bottom of the river. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. knows. She knows. But we're introduced to little Joffrey Baratheon here. Yes, we are. It's a nice little scene, this sweet little kid. There's actually Batman pyjama pants hanging on the line yeah. in the rain, mind you. Like, I don't recommend that, but <laughs> it is quite quite funny to see. This is a solid scene here too, when Crane basically gets the jump on him. Yeah. Really yeah. good. Gets yeah, the bats, gas on bats him. Bats come out of the Scarecrow's mouth because obviously what does Bruce Wayne fear most? Yeah. Bats. So the mask, you know, produces all these bats for him. And he sets on fire. That and jump from oh. the top of that is so good. Really, really solid shot. And we get the flashback to when he's a kid, like when his fear was at its peak. You know, we see all the bats hitting him. I love, how he, str- I love how he struggles to pull himself up to the top of the roof. Oh, Fred! 
Now, tell me, how does Alfred get Bruce Wayne off a roof? He got himself down. Fox helped him. (laughs) I love the pained look on Alfred's face as he's driving him. Like, he's freaking out in the back here, and he's Mm. just, he's so distraught. It's like, it's okay, it's okay. Mm. Just shows how much he cares for him. But Bruce wakes up yet again with Alfred by his side, but Fox is there too now, because they made an antidote for him. And this is where we start to get that. Fox is going to go work on this antidote. Let's let's mass produce this. It's good that Fox is, you know, on board the Bruce Wayne is Batman train at this point. Oh, he knows now. I mean, he would have known seeing he knew he the was tumbler doing- flying across the roofs, but- That hasn't happened yet. Oh, I know. Like, he would later yeah. on, but- yeah. But he always had the suspicion. When he said to him back in, in the science lab, like, I'm not an idiot. Like, I don't want to know, but don't talk to me like yeah. I don't know what's going on. But it's uh, Bruce's birthday, apparently. Yes. Turning 30. 30? Yes, and Rachel quickly drops in to say hello, goodbye, give him a present. The arrowhead. arrowhead. Yep. But I think Bruce is a bit more interested in what she's going to do. She's going to the Narrows to exactly. find out about Falcone's uh, insane asylum. I love this, Bruce's reaction, his trek down to the Batcave, does the secret yeah. piano notes to open the secret door. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't slide down, down a pole. That music cue, though, when it hits, when he opens up the cabinet, showing his cow, mm-hmm. man, that was impressive. It's the score, I'm telling you. The score is just its magnificent. This is a... Annoying scene here. We get Earl seeing Fox saying he wants every bit of information you've got on this microwave emitter. And then he says, and I'm firing you. <laughs> like, don't, do you want the information or not? <laughs> I mean, Fox mentions later that he fired him because he was asking too many questions. Didn't really ask that many questions in fairness. Yeah, probably one question is enough. Yeah, but we get the first, didn't you get the memo line? Yeah. I, like, I really do like the scene with Rachel and Crane, how she's basically... Forcing his arm. He's trying to get her to back away. But no, she's not having none of it. And he's like, all right, let's take you downstairs then. Show you what's going on. Did he need to take her downstairs to show her? Or he could have just, like, gassed her. This is sort of this uh, villain showing... Villain trying to show how much power he has. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Perhaps you'd like a dose. He's very relaxed. Even when she oh, runs he's relaxed away. the entire film. Yeah, but when he when she runs off into the yeah. elevator, obviously he knows, he's yeah. locked it, so she can't go anywhere. Yeah. And his face is, has the maggots all over it. Yeah. That was pretty gross. So is that her fear? Maggots? Yes. 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 I thought her fear would have been Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, her lazy nostril. Oh, we'll come to that in the dark night. God. Okay. But we know that the Batman <laughs> is here, as Crane so uh, eloquently puts it. And he says, call the police. And the thug's like, uh, are you sure you want the cops here? He's like, yeah, it's too far gone now. Yeah, they We're can't good. fix this. Yeah. We're good. You're fine. But Batman shows up, he gasses Crane. Yeah, he's ready. Now, this bit, this is an awesome effect of the Batman mask just becoming this complete oozy, leathery mess. It looks like a demon. And we're seeing it from Crane's perspective, obviously. Yes. Meaning his greatest fear is literally the demon's head, a.k.a. Rachel Ghoul. Boom. How good was that? You've been preparing that speech for a while, haven't you? Just saying. It's there. Looks like a demon. Greatest fear, because he knows that Raish is coming. He mentions it too. Yes. Raza Ghoul is dead. Yes, that that was a good bit. And it's like, even like later Bruce is like, oh, he, he mentioned someone that, you know, shouldn't mention. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but all the cops show up here. I love the, the sonar boot mm. that brings all the bats in. That was so good. That reveal when all the bats just come flying in, basically cover the ground so that Bruce can get out of there as he jumps down the stairwell. Just fantastic. What is that? Back up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but obviously Gordon's helping him here, getting Rachel down as well. I love, we'll get in my car. I got my car. Your car. Drives past, takes out the cop car. I got to get me one of those. 
God. I mean, it's cheesy, but it works. It does work. I think it works because it's Gordon. Gordon yeah. is a bit of a dag. Yeah. His moustache. It's a great moustache. <laughs> but he takes Rachel to the Batcave, gets some of his most- Well, you're cutting completely on this this car chase on the top of the roofs and everything? He's going to glide by that? Well, I'm sorry. I'm, you what, can talk about it. You didn't have anything to say about that? No, not really. Oh, great. Okay, go for it. He what do you got? The, the Batmobile, how he- he morphs into the bottom part of the car as it goes down to, so he can shoot the missiles or whatever he's shooting there. The, the cruise across the, the roofs and now he times it perfect so he lands straight on the, the freeway as he goes along. Even when he's driving in the in the dark portions and he like his car... He's, oh, I love yeah. that bit. He just turns his lights off. Yeah. And then and I love the shot where you're inside the cop car and you see something this outside move. This little tiny yeah, movement. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really good. And even... Just the the interaction between him and Rachel, where he's just he's trying to just stay calm, stay calm. I got you there, and that scream, Rachel! Yeah, oh, it's so good, <laughs> Rachel! <laughs> Rachel! <laughs> Rachel! No, really, really good. He gives her the antidote though. She gets better, and he basically explains to her, "Take this to Gordon, so he can go get this fixed. He can use one for himself because he knows what's coming. He knows that this is going to be happening." Yeah, I love the shot once he's drugged her. What's a better word for that? Uh, <laughs> Sedates her. Once he's sedated her, he takes off his cow and we see the back of him standing there because we don't see him in this movie where he's um, in costume without yeah. the cow. And I, I did really like that shot. He's sort of head down like he's just – he's looking at, you know, like this is a life he could have had, you know, but he's gone. Mm. It's gone the route of Batman. So I thought that was uh, quite a sad moment to be honest. And then he gets told off by uh, Alfred. Yeah, you're ruining the, the Wayne name. <laughs> But this is the thing, he's got to make these choices. He's got to either live the life of the bat or he lives a normal life. And to live the life of the bat, you're just going to have to tarnish your own name. Mm. He does it, drunk, like fake drunkenly tells everyone to piss off, get the hell out of his house, bunch of freeloaders. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's a genuinely funny speech because yeah. you do think he's joking at first. And even he gives that little love, <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> the guy that walks past and says... The apple has fallen far from the tree. Shut up, mate. You know who that is? Nah. Is it, is it Nolan's dad? It's his uncle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this reveal here. Yeah, I was going to say, not just before this speech just, he gives. It's, um, you know, Rachel Ghoul. He's like, that's impossible. He's dead. He turns around and it's not Liam Neeson. It's not Ken Watanabe. But it's like a. It looks like it's a bald guy. He's like, with a, seriously, with a mustache. You know, yeah. like it's like okay, and like really, like this is how they could go. Like you just don't know. You're not Ra's al Ghul, and then you hear, but is Ra's al Ghul immortal? Are his methods supernatural? Which is obviously a callback to the Lazarus Pit. Mm-hmm. Good reveal. Can't go wrong with more Liam Neeson in a film. I'll tell you that. Stop smiling. It's not a joke. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> we mentioned that speech. I just want to give a quick shout out to the uh, newspaper at the end. Drunken billionaire burns down house. <laughs> yeah, and they basically explain the villain's plot here. Using the blue flower for the toxins, going to release the gas all over Gotham using the microwave. to. In, they've dumped all the, the toxins in the water. It's going to vapor out and everyone's going to go crazy and kill each other. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, it's good. It's different. Definitely different. You know? And it's not like, I just want all the power. No. You know, I want all the money. It's not like that at all. Like, this is someone very Thanos-like, actually, who you got this genocide where they want to make the world a better place. Yes. Which is good. So, you get Wayne under this burning log, passed out. Yeah, they start setting their house on fire and they go for a fight and he's piss weak. It's like one punch, he's underneath. Check your surroundings, mate. (laughs) 
You never did learn to mind your surroundings. But Alfred saves the day. What well, is the bloody point yeah. of doing all those push-ups? It's a rough axe. I know. That's dodgy as fuck. <laughs> but they get down to the back cave. Nice little DM here. Why do we fall, sir? So that we can learn to pick ourselves up. So we're heading into the third act here, I guess. Yeah, massive third act here. Yeah. Rachel gives the antidote to Gordon, but she doesn't get back across the bridge in time, unfortunately. Who? Rachel. No. Rachel! Rachel! <laughs> oh, that Rachel. <laughs> no, so the microwave emitter is turned on. Everyone's going crazy. We're seeing... Oh, we see Scarecrow on a horse. That was good. That was... Gets tasered in the face. Yes. <laughs> Taser face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the last we see of him. Yeah, it is. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah, I'm glad he comes back. In both of the films. Yes. Hmm. Yes. But we start to see everyone going a little crazy, especially after they've released everyone from the Arkham Asylum. See, like, people... Did I see a shot of someone, like, bite, like biting on someone's face? I don't know. Just speaking of Arkham Asylum... Uh, Arkham Asylum, the graphic novel written by Grant Morrison, was yes. actually uh, one of Christian Bale's favourites. And he, when he read it in, I think it was about 2000, he said that he wanted to be a part, he wanted to be the next Batman because no one had ever done a version of Batman like this. It's a very yes. different graphic novel. Not a lot of dialogue at all. A lot of imagery, like real dark, messed up imagery. It's mm-hmm. really good. That's Dean's random that Batman be, trivia that number could, 76. That could be my last. Could be. So we get this goodbye between Batman and Rachel here. I do like the way she says, wait, you could die. Tell me your name. <laughs> it's like, selfish? <laughs> well, why couldn't Batman just say, it's me, Bruce, bye. I love it. Waste more time on a speech when you I could have got to Raz love, quicker. I love, I love this bit. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Bruce? Like, Bruce, bye. Doesn't even doesn't even give the opportunity to acknowledge it. She goes, Bruce, and he just jumps. See you later. And again, this score kicks in full gear. Yeah. He jumps off the building and just glides over the city. I love the the point of view shot of all the people with the gas. Seeing yeah. this this weird bat with glowing eyes yep, flying over yep. the top, which definitely helps for when he lands on the ground and everyone starts to try and pick him apart because hmm. they just they just seen this crazy weird bat flying past them. Yep. But they get the microwave onto the train. They're going to take it to the central hub where we heard a while ago that that's where all the utilities are basically central. Yep. Oh, that's a good ending. I didn't mind this train sequence. Oh, and you got Gordon who's taking the- The shots at the yeah. tracks. You got a little couple of funny bits here. He's trying to control the um, the Batmobile. Mm. It's good. It's a, it's a, it's a fine did you, ending. Did you like the final fight between Batman and Raish? It's Okay. Not, not, I thought no, I thought it was good. I thought it's not amazing or anything. I mean, it's not physically like that impressive, but it's good their their discussion. Like basically, he's saying like, you know, you're never willing to go the next level. You're never willing to kill me, which is why you're fat. And he's like, who said anything about killing you? You finally learn to do what is necessary. I won't kill you. I'm not going to commit murder. I'm just going to commit manslaughter. Bye. <laughs> no, and even I like that they do, you know, race the respect here at the end where in a moment like this where you're on a train that's about to explode, a lot of the villains would have this like real scared look. He just, uh, he, he, he just accepts it. it. He closes his eyes. Yeah, he embraces his fear. Yeah. Very good hand Thank you. I've sure got a couple of I'm not sure there. that's what you were going for. but <laughs> How could I not? We've been talking about fear this whole time. But it's the next day, and Bruce buys the company back like a boss. Yes. Didn't you get the memo? 
Oh, well, I'll do a, I'll do a Freeman voice. Didn't you get the memo? That was horrid. Wow, I'm leaving that in so you guys know what he really sounds like. Hey, my impressions are pretty good. You just did a Michael Caine with a sounded like I don't even know what that was. <laughs> and we get Bruce Lumberjack hammering away at something, and uh, Rachel comes to say, "Did you notice, Rachel?" Maybe a bit cold in this scene. Honestly, no, I didn't. I'm genuinely Man, serious. Something up with her nips in this scene. They're crazy. Well, I'm going to have to go watch it again now, aren't I? <laughs> they're talking about rebuilding the mansion and they're going to build it brick by brick. Oh, you don't want to talk about the Bruce and Rachel? No, no, just quickly before that, I did read up some things about this film played very heavily to America at the time, um, trying to rebuild after 9-11. And there's a lot of meanings here about, you know, terrorists taking out the city and rebuilding the city brick by brick. Did you get any of that? No. That's not really- Stretch, no? I don't think it would have been at the time. I think now we're like, we're 14 years past. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about anything like that. Maybe because I wasn't- In America? Yeah. Or didn't really think of the, the year it was made. Okay. But apparently at the time it was, that was a very strong influence. Hmm. Anyway, back to the you sure the much more important conversation. No, between no, no. We can Rachel talk about Bruce. We can talk about terrorists more if you want. No, I was talking about rebuilding. <laughs> okay. But no, no, you, you keep talking about Katie Holmes and her. Stop acting. saying that. <laughs> Just say Rachel. 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 Katie Holmes. <laughs> um. Okay. So she's she's obviously they both know that she knows that he's Batman, right? She's obviously real warm to him here. They have this big embrace, right? These are. People that are childhood friends, they have this big embrace, big moment. Bruce seems really keen here. Yes, he does. And she, biggest cocktails. Yep. She's like, I cannot be you. I I found out about your mask. And then she's just like, oh, he's like, oh, Batman is, no, not Batman. Not that mask. This one. Come on. (laughs) I mean, it's a a little bit, uh, it's a little bit corny. Can you know. we get a, a special cut here where she walks away and we cut to Dawson having that super sooky face? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to wait <laughs> for her life to be over. Oh, uh, no, nah, it's good. But I think I did want to bring this up because I think it does play very, very importantly in The Dark Knight. Like the whole, Bruce's whole mission in The Dark Knight at the start is basically to try and stop being Batman so he can yeah. be with Rachel. And this is what she's saying here. She's saying, I can't be with you until you're ready to let Batman go. Yeah. Maybe there will come a day when Gotham no longer needs Batman. But when we head up to the mansion, we can hold hands. Yeah, that was weird. Mm. That was odd. Have you ever held hands with a platonic friend? And I don't count. Oh, then no. <laughs> You're just like, platonic? <laughs> <laughs> we got a little chat with Gordon. We got the new symbol, the official bat symbol. We get the Joker card. Holy shit. <laughs> that was monstrous when I saw that. I was like, oh my God, they're doing it. Still is. They initially, this wasn't going to be like a trilogy or anything. This was going to be a standalone film and they wanted to have it so that it would morph into Batman 89. I mean, how's that work? The whole Joe Chill versus yeah, Jack Yeah, but they Nagia. just wanted to, if they were going to, they didn't know how they, this film was going to be received. So if it was just this and that was it, at least they could kind of have it like that. But they left it open so they could, could potentially do a sequel if the numbers went well. Yeah, and this does play heavily on one of the like all-time greatest themes in Batman lore is that escalation. You know, Batman becoming Batman, becoming this superhero has escalated the villains of the town. So there's arguments that Batman creates all his villains and that whilst, yeah, it's great that Batman is out there fighting crime, the argument is that 
a lot of this crime wouldn't exist if Batman wasn't there. Just a quick foray into the Dark Knight, or maybe like the Joker lore, if you know about it. Was the Joker the Joker before Batman? Or did, did the Joker become the Joker to basically be the antagonist to Batman? Well, Joker's not mentioned in this film, and I imagine if the Joker existed, it wouldn't be like, oh, we've got this calling card. I'll look into it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about this movie. I'm talking about just in general, like the, the Batman lore. Like, is there any kind of story about Joker? Origin story of Joker? No, I know that there's not really, is there? Well, there's some. But was it the man who the Joker? The Joker gradually became the Joker because he wanted to be the opposite of Batman. Like you were talking about how Batman creates these mm. these villains because he's Batman. Yep. Is that how Joker became Joker? In some instances, yes. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. That's right. I just do like that Gordon brings up this escalation. Like, you know, he talks about the guns. Like, we start using this, mm-hmm. they start using automatic and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, it's definitely- Like with Casino. Exactly. Did you see the um the name on the card, on the evidence card that he turns over? So, there's a playing card and above mm-hmm. that, there's an evidence strip at the top. No. It was Joe Kerr. Wow. Which is a commonly used alias of the Joker. No shit. Yeah, I know. Would have never thought about that, but that's the end. One of the oh, hold on, one of the greatest uh, final lines of a movie as well. I never said thank you. And you'll never have to. Boom! Man, I love this movie that's so much. The end. It is so good. Just encapsulates everything that Batman's about. Any last words? All right, mate. What's your final thoughts on Batman Begins? Final thoughts for me. I love this movie. This is just the perfect iteration of the character of Batman that I love so much. He is... The way this movie combines so many different elements of his origin story so cohesively in this story that it's really powerful. It really, really does get to me. It sets up this just incredible Batman trilogy. I love it to bits. The the way Nolan uses this ultra-realistic method to his storytelling, just gives... It makes it believable. Like, this is the... This is how Batman could be in real life story. And to see this guy flying around dressed as a bat and to believe it's happening, it's amazing. It is seriously an incredible movie and without a doubt gets a... Amazing. Incredible! Outstanding. From me. Genuinely shocked. All right, Ando, what have you got? I am super stoked we got to tick this off our list so early on our journey. Getting one of my favourite directors in to essentially rewrite how you make a superhero film. Dark, gritty, with an equal amount of realism and surrealism. Nolan cemented himself as one to keep an eye on here as he works in great cinematography and solid pacing to create one of the best origin stories out there where we get to know the character of Bruce Wayne, like his traumatic childhood and how he deals with his demons growing up all the way to the beginning of the iconic Batman. But it's not just about the origin. There's a great sense of overcoming fears and discovering your true identity, with some obvious themes of duality as well. All the actors are on point here, with the exception of Katie Holmes, who I think is the only real thing wrong with this film, which they do fix in The Dark Knight. Bale gives the correct amount of grit and darkness, along with charm and emotion, to make the best portrayal of Bruce Wayne we've seen. His performance goes a long way in making this film as enjoyable as it is. I've seen this film about four or five times now, and I've never gotten sick of it. It's just as enjoyable as it was the first time I watched it. It starts off what is an incredibly solid trilogy, which we will talk more about on our journey. 
But even as a standalone film, this is... Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. Of course. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, mate. I am very curious to hear where this ends up on your list. Okay, so on my list, I have my top three as it stands is Once Upon a Time in America, La La Land, and The Matrix. Now, all three of those films are in my all-time top 20 films. Now, Batman Begins does join those ranks. It is better than The Matrix. Where it gets difficult for me is up against La La Land because I love La La Land on a deep, deep level. I watch it all the time. But Batman Begins is better than La La Land, and that's where it stops. Okay. We have a new number two. Number two. All right. What about you, Hendo? All right. I'm going to start it at number 14 against The Terminator. And Batman Begins is better than The Terminator. We move on to the next spot with Nolan's other film, The Prestige. Mm. And this is a better film than that. Yeah, it is. Moving on to Your Name. This is a better film than that. And we get to our number 10 spot with The Wizard of Oz. And this is better than that. And then we hit number nine for La La Land. This is where it's going to stay. Okay. I think La La Land is better than Batman Begins. Batman Begins is your new number 10. That's right. Top 10, baby. Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay. Yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father, after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? That's okay. what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy it. Hey, listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you all for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show to get our name out there. And there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. You know, let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and another personal favourite of mine, CastBox. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can contact us on Twitter at twitter.com slash imdbjourney, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash imdbjourney, or you can email us at imdbjourney at gmail.com. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. Or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, why not check out our Patreon where we post another weekly show breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, that's right. What have we got coming up this week, Hendo? Well, Dean, we're still in the middle of our X-Men film series and we're up to Days of Future Past. Nice little collaboration between the old and the new. Yeah, definitely interesting to see how they juggle so many elements to the storyline as well. That's right. And we've also got the next five films that the patrons are going to pick for me to watch off my massive watch list. And they are Short Term 12, Over the Garden Wall, The Night of the Hunter, The Burbs, and Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. What would you pick out of that, mate? Probably The Burbs. Yeah? Because I haven't heard of three of them, and one of them is Dewey Cox. 
Not a fan of Dewey Cox? I haven't seen that. It looks stupid. Oh, well, hopefully then I might get the birds. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. I downloaded an episode of Netflix and Swill. Does this mean I get to watch Netflix now? No, you can't watch Netflix until you understand the phrase poop. Poop? Once you understand poop, you'll understand your place as a listener of this podcast. But what does poop mean? Uh-huh. It's actually a carefully organized code. Listen closely. People order our podcast. Oh, poop. Looks like Mr. Caleb understands poop. Here's a typical podcast listener. I wonder what they want. Well, if we remember poop, we can figure it out. I'd like to watch... Do you think they're going to watch A, an Amy Schumer comedy special, B, Gypsy, or C, a good show? One good show, please. Ah, poop, you never let us down. Now that you understand poop, I bet you think you're ready to watch Netflix. Netflix! Ha-ha, <laughs> not so fast, Eager McBeaver. You still need to finish listening to Netflix and Swill. You can find the show at netflixandswill.com or on your favorite podcast service. And now, to talk about personal hygiene. All right, now it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Aww. And we've got a couple of reviews for Batman Begins. Let's head over to Twitter first from the Tasteless Podcast. I miss Katie Holmes. I'm with you. I am not. Should not have replaced her. Emily, I am not with you at all. Next up from Kate... I think this movie was the beginning of the dark and gritty DC trend. It introduced us to a cool Batmobile and great supporting cast. My faves are Morgan Freeman as Fox and Michael Caine as Alfred. Gone. Do your accent. What is the point of all those push-ups if you can't even lift a bloody log? <laughs> Sound like someone out of Lockstock. <laughs> Here's one from Kevin Brackett. Nolan captured the tone of Batman perfectly. DC ran with dark and gritty because their logic was flawed. Batman was dark and gritty. Batman was successful. All comic book movies should be dark and gritty. Face palm. Fair enough. Mm. From Ghosts of the Stratosphere, low-key, as good as Dark Knight, but doesn't get the same level of hype. Both are terrific. Here's one from Farrier Collins. Love Batman Begins. Holds up fairly well compared to The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. First Batman film that got me to actually care about Bruce Wayne and to take the Cape Crusader seriously. I don't need to see any more of Batman's origins because this is definitive for me. Last one on Twitter from Dylan A. Lange. I love Katie Holmes in this. What? What? <laughs> Knock it off. Love the way Killian Murphy says, Batman. Neeson, good, bad guy. The closest to a great origin story. Wish he would have done more detective work. Okay, let's head over to Patron Dean. All right, we've got Ben Mulverhill here. A brilliant start to one of the best trilogies of all time. Nine out of ten. And here's one from Chris Beardsall. I rank Batman Begins as one of the best origin films for a superhero alongside the first Iron Man film. For all the shit that Bale gets for his Batman voice, he really was a great casting choice to play the Dark Knight. Scarecrow was a fun choice for a villain, and Killian Murphy pulled it off well. Dark Knight is a better movie, but Batman Begins is the better Batman story. It's a good review. Hmm. Now, thank you, everyone, for your reviews, but as always, we've got... I was spoiled in that not only being able to see this film at the cinemas when it came out... 
but also that I was the right age to enjoy the previous Batman installments such as Batman Forever and even Batman and Robin. Upon seeing Batman Begins, I actually thought it was a prequel to the original series and was pretty confused how the Joker didn't murder Batman's parents in this one. The concept of a reboot series didn't exist for me, so I couldn't even appreciate what Nolan did fully. He made a superhero film that was actually for adults, hard-hitting, suspenseful and intelligent. Gone was the cardboard, over-the-top characters, gone were the cheesy one-liners, well, mostly. It was state-of-the-art action for its time and the story was layered and deep. The cast is extraordinary, A-listers all giving their best. You look back at this film and think about where it's headed, and it really is disappointing it had to end at three films, only for DC to be pumping out reboot after reboot, spin-off after spin-off. Like Spider-Man, like Star Wars, like Marvel, they're going to keep making Batman films until they stop making money. At least there was a time when Batman was actually good. Damn good. Thanks, Shane. Thank you very much, Shane. All right, now it's time for... Answer my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you is, what is your favourite Christopher Nolan film? Now let's start over on Twitter. First one from the Invasion of the Remake podcast, still has to be Memento. From Gidget Von LaRue, The Prestige. Dem fancy dinosaurs say Inception, always. From patron Ben Mulville, Interstellar. It grew on me big time. MC Meyer says, I'm going to give the minority opinion and pick Dunkirk for its structural ingenuity and probably top 10, seriously top 10, one of the best scores ever composed. Fair enough. The Cinema Recall says Memento is his best. The others, except Interstellar, are excellent, but they never come close to that one. Fat Geeky Reviews say Dark Knight hands down. From Jacob Neff, it changes from year to year as several of them are among my all-time favourites but it's currently cycled back around to Memento. It never gets tiring to watch or try to wrap my mind around. Here's one from another damn movie podcast. We can't choose between Interstellar and The Prestige. Both blow our minds. From Corey Tatum, Memento. And our last one on Twitter from Stephen Bent. It's either The Dark Knight or Inception. All right, moving on over to Facebook page from Dipek Patel. As much as I love The Dark Knight... I think it's a prestige. Every time I watch it, I see something new. Brilliant storytelling. Here's one from Rob Manafield, The Dark Knight. What more needs to be said? This needs to be said. From my man, Duty Dutrum, Batman Begins. Along the same vein here, Billy from We Watched a Thing said Batman Begins as well. <sighs> Top blokes. And back on over on our Patreon, from our lovely, lovely patrons from Georgia Watson. My favourite Christopher Nolan film is The Prestige. It was the first film I watched as a young teen that really kept me captivated throughout. The Prestige made me love twists in film. Next up from Hayden Gerloff, Inception is his best. The Prestige isn't far off though. A magical, underrated film. Chris Beardsall says Inception, a fun mind bender that gives me something new to appreciate on every watch. And lastly, from Dan Brennick, The Dark Knight. And we did put a poll up on Twitter for four of the Christopher Nolan films. 15% went to Memento, 16% went to The Prestige, 28% went to Inception, and 41% went to The Dark Knight. Quite a common favourite film. Yes, not much of a surprise there. But is it going to be our favourite film, Dean? Let's get into our top five Christopher Nolan films. All right, mate, you go first. What's your number five? My number five is The Dark Knight Rises. Was going to say, <laughs> you, you legit got me there. <laughs> what about you, Endo? Number five is The Prestige. 
Mmm. Mmm, indeed. Mmm. All right, my number four is The Dark Knight. <laughs> okay, I, I know... I already knew that you rate Batman Begins higher than The Dark Knight. Yes. So. Okay, that's fine. Well, my number four is Batman Begins. Very nice. My number three is Inception. Nice. It's a good Nolan film. My number three is The Dark Knight. My number two is Batman Begins. My number two is Inception. And our joint number one, clearly. Clearly, clearly. Memento. Memento. Top-notch film. So good. And for next week's question of the week, we're going to ask you in the, in the theme of Batman Begins, what is your favourite Batman film? You um, can go animated yeah, as well. Yeah, please. If yeah. you are a fan of the animated films, please put them on. Pretty Love sure give- I know what the majority answers are going to be, but whatever. Yes. <laughs> We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, Dean, it's time to take a look at the draft results from our Pod V Pod 17 against Kevin Brackett from Real Spoilers, where we drafted stage to screen adaptations. Yes, we had one flow over the cuckoo's nest, 12 angry men, closer, Amadeus, and Romeo and Juliet. And Kevin had Casablanca, 1948's Hamlet, The Sound of Music, West Side Story, and Chicago. Now, we were team one in this draft. Let's take a look at some comments. First one here from the Real Feels podcast. Real spoilers, only because I hate the Leo version of Romeo and Juliet. Can't stand it. Mm, from the Tom Hanks Defense Force, I'm Debbie Journey, but I love Casablanca. And Matthew Ward said, I couldn't decide. And then I saw Chicago. I'm Debbie Journey, it is. Well said. Well said indeed, because the results, 52 votes later... 65% of the IMDb Journey podcast. Another win, another pod v pod. Condolences, Kevin. Yes. You tried, but you failed. Like everyone else does. The lesson here is never try. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I'm still throwing the gauntlet down. You want to come on and try and beat us in a pod v pod? I think we've established now that the blind draft doesn't cater to podcasts, so can't use that as an excuse. Come on, <laughs> let's go, let's go. There's this tournament. Let the tournament all right, Dean, it's time to find out the matches in our final four of the best 1960s film tournament. First up, we have The Good, The Bad and The Ugly taking on Dr. Strangelove. And our second match here is the big one, I reckon. The number two seed, Psycho, against the number six seed, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Could have easily been the grand final. Mm, could be close. So, what's next? All right, Hendo, I'm dying to know. It's your pick for our next breakdown. What is it going to be? Well, much like in the spirit of you, I would like to do a film that I love a lot. You've gone a dark and gritty film. Go a little bit different. Go a little light-hearted comedy. So we're going to do Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Ah, very nice. Yeah, why not? Let's have a laugh. Not that we don't have laughs. Let's have more laughs. Awesome, awesome. Now I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's been a few years, so... Let's see how it holds up. All right, that's going to do it for this podcast, mate. That was a big podcast, in-depth, if I do say so myself. Mm, Warranted. Yes, I completely agree. Good. So next week, we've got our Pod V Pod 18. We've got another fantastic guest waiting in the midst to take us on. Another good battle. It's going to be fun. Always is. And of course, we'll be talking about what else we've been watching. Got a lot to talk about. How are you going with your movies? I've watched one. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Can you at least watch, like, two this week? I will watch one more this week, so I will have a top two. <laughs> that won't be the first time. 
Well, nothing's jumping out at me at the moment, so... Poor form, poor form. Anyway, thank you very much, listeners. We will see you next week for Pod V Pod 18. Bye.